Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Toast to serve, it's a Friday morning, and if you're in South Florida, it's a, luckily, a post, a post, Hurricane Matthew, Friday morning here, and it's the football Friday there, we don't care about your stinking hurricane, do you understand me? We're down here in South Florida, we eat hurricanes, so it doesn't matter that you had a hurricane come through here, well, you know, not really, I'm talking nice and loud here, Amo Calamino, but uh, thankfully, uh, this thing, the brunt of it missed us. We had a couple high winds and some rain, but nothing more than a normal Wednesday uh, that Explain you would experience here. Explain this to me. It's east of Miami, Florida. correct? It's east of Miami. Is that would that be accurate going it up the coast? East east of, of, yeah, past east of Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. The uh, counties in question were Dade and Broward County, also Palm Beach County, which uh, you know yesterday's advisory at about five or you know the five a.m. or eight a.m. advisory had. The uh, storm pushing uh, right through Palm Beach, so they had to really gear up, and even some evacuations were going on in Palm Beach. The folks in Broward County, where I reside, uh, needed to make some serious preparations because we're going to feel some some serious winds uh, around 110, 120, and uh, Dade County was going to feel some tropical storm-type conditions. But fortunately for us, as the day wore on, the storm stayed more east and, um, you know, Miami-Dade County didn't really feel much of anything, perhaps some rain showers, Broward County, um, a little bit of high winds, and uh, Palm Beach County also spared, but it's the folks a little further up that are going to get um, a little bit more of it. It's it's staying east. I don't want to sound like a meteorologist and turn this into a newscast, but it stayed a little bit more east than, uh, brought, than predicted before. So um, it's still going to be hurricane, you know, force winds, Felt by some of the counties in the state, but not uh, certainly not as bad as it looks. So this is going to hit uh, more. Right. Am I right in saying Orlando? Uh, yeah, higher up Orlando, Daytona area, um, and areas above Jacksonville, Gainesville um, may, may be affected. But it's you know it's staying more east, staying more in the water. So a direct hit path coming across, you know, inland uh, doesn't appear to be what's going to happen. So that's very, very fortunate for folks further north. Yeah, because I saw the South pictures North. in Haiti. It didn't miss Haiti. Holy cow. No, and it seems Haiti always gets the brunt force of all of these storms that come through there. I don't know, I don't know what they did to deserve that, but, yeah, it demolished a lot of homes. Same in, in Cuba as well, who, you know, Cuba usually handles the hurricanes pretty well. You know, they have... Um, you know, there are high hills and mountains there that kind of break up storms, but this one there went through and did some serious damage. So, nevertheless, um, you know, my hearts and prayers go out to the folks in those affected areas, uh, folks here in South Florida. Very, very fortunate. A lot of preparations went on here. A lot of water was bought, Amol. I mean, you know what bothers I saw me? The pi- I saw the pictures of the grocery stores, man. Everything was empty. Oh, packed. Yeah, you can't find batteries. I mean, empty as in the shelves. No, the stores were packed. The shelves were empty when they got done. 
yeah, completely cleaned out. Um, and, you know, not to be a jerk off, complete windfall for all of the, um, you know, supermarkets down here that see crazy Thanksgiving-type uh, business uh, when the hurricanes hit. So they were packed yesterday, and, yes, in there emptying the shelves of any and everything you could get your hands on. So now everyone has their hurricane supplies. <laughs> now that we're to the end of the hurricane right. season, pretty much, everyone has all their supplies. Please hold on to those until next year uh, around this time. Don't so, listen. Knock on wood. You're not out of the you're not out of the woods yet. Don't get cocky like my wife when a guy lines up for a thirty yard field goal to win the game, and she tells me he never misses because he doinks well, it off know, the crossbar every time. Aren't thirty yards like extra points now? Uh, so yeah, they you know, basically are. But but trust me, when you open your pie hole, you know what happens. True. Just, yeah. Well, listen, we're not out of the way with Hurricane Matthew as some models have it making a U-turn and coming back around for seconds. So. Yeah, I, I uh, I've heard that, so that's what I'm saying. Just shut up, be happy that it's not. It might be sunny there today or whatever, and move on. Let's go on to football. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I just uh, hopefully it doesn't make that state trooper U-turn. You've seen the state trooper U-turn, right? Like yeah, I've I'm, seen right, the state good. U-turn. Yes, I've seen them <laughs> sometimes pursuing me. Um, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, so hopefully it doesn't make the state trooper U-turn, and and we're okay down here in uh, in the entire state. Um, there's been some things that have happened here. Uh, as a result, one of them directly affecting me is the cancellation of the LSU University of Florida football game. And that whole back and forth was fun to watch on social media yesterday, Twitter to be exact, as uh, fans from both schools went back and forth blaming each other for this, that, and the third. And even the governor uh, got involved from Louisiana. I mean, he's got nothing to do but to throw himself into the middle of the University of Florida LSU game uh, applying all types of pressure to the University of Florida about. Well, I'm an you know, outsider. I want to ask you questions so you can answer. Sure. Okay, pretend yeah, you're you can, I, okay, I, first, I'm available for interviews on this. Good. We're going to do an interview here. Okay. First of all, yeah, here we go. The first thing I understand is that someone was it the governor proposed the game be played in Baton Rouge instead. You know, he did not particularly. Who, who and this is David that? Vitter. This is David Vitter. Uh, he is the governor of. Uh, He's a senior United States senator, let's put it that way, from Louisiana, and a member of the Republican Party, uh, for all who care. Um, yeah, he he decided that he would send a letter. Now, this actual hardcore suggestion um, was made by some media members um, for you know Louisiana LSU backers, uh, and of course their fans. Uh, came up with all kind of special, very accommodative ways in which this very crucial SEC game between two heated rivals can now be moved from uh, one team's home field to the other team's home field, and we, you know, and folks for Florida should just be okay with such a thing. Would that Come mean on, that Florida would then get two straight years of home games themselves to make up for it? Absolutely not. It would mean the University of Florida would play three straight road games against the LSU oh. Tigers. Well, that was big. How much, okay, how so much, that's that's the first liquor's thing. Liquor's big. In, yeah, liquor's big in the state of Louisiana, and apparently a uh, lot I, of I, cracked I, Apparently so. Apparently so. Now, second thing, uh, I understand Florida wanted to play the game uh, on the day they had a uh, one of their out of conference games. They were just going to buy out the game, and yeah, LSU you know, there's that this, week. Yeah, and you've complained about it. You know there's that week uh, towards yes. the end of the season where all of the SEC teams find 
um, the the easiest of victories to put on their schedule that week because everyone has. Yeah, I mean, one of our teams up here, one of our Pop Warner teams is coming down to play somebody down there. Right. Um, our 12-year-old you know, Kingston Huskies. Yeah, that right, and as much of a staunch supporter, yeah, as much of a staunch supporter I am of the SEC, that right there I cannot excuse. Um, But they have that week every week. So for Florida on November nineteenth, they have uh, they're playing the Church Presbyterian on that particular day. And Louisiana, (laughs) Louisiana has invited South Alabama. Now, um, the suggestion was made since the game was going to be quote unquote postponed that they both teams, you know. Go ahead and write a check to the prospective teams that were going to come and get their heads beat in and um, do away with that game, and then we could conveniently have the game uh, between LSU and Florida on that day, you know, instead of Presbyterian and South Alabama getting drugged across the turf. Now, I'm going to show where I'm reasonable and LSU fans are not. I don't know that that is a good thing for LSU. All right, uh, for a number of reasons. First of all, for LSU, you're going to be giving up a home football game, and so there's a certain amount of revenue that uh, you're going to lose as a result of doing that. That's that's number one. And you know, I know people say, "Oh, it's a drop in a bucket." Uh, that you know, this this makes millions and millions. You can't just go sneezing away, you know, a home game, you know, revenue. That's number one. Number two is when you look at LSU's schedule. That's a tough one, Emil, because you're going to be talking about LSU on the fifth taking on Alabama, the 5th of November, taking on Alabama. Then the next week they're at Arkansas. Then they would be going to Florida. And then the next Thursday, mind you, not Saturday, Thursday, they're going to be at Texas A&M for the pre-Thanksgiving annual meeting. That's a tough stretch right there, Emil. I mean, what's your feelings on that? Should they they sack up and do it or – you know, in light of what I just told you. Well, listen, South Alabama, South Alabama is no slam dunk for beating them the way LSU is playing this year. True. They're not Florida, though. It's not Florida. Or, or, no, or you I, it's Florida. a hard situation. Uh, I, I get it. But to me, conference football has to take precedent. Um, you can't just skip a conference game. Well, it appears that that's what LSU wants to do, and there's conflicting reports on that as well. Um, It was put out there by, you know, uh, Brett McMurphy of ESPN saying that the proposal was made by Florida to LSU to uh, do exactly what it is that I said. Both teams buy out their opponents on the 12th, or actually the 19th of November, and then have the game in Gainesville between LSU and Florida, to which LSU declined. Now, some LSU officials, I believe the athletic director is saying, no, uh, this was not discussed and have not declined. So uh, they kind of backs them in a corner uh, because if you're saying that, then you're saying this is something you'll likely do. More to come on that, but all I know I, is – I've had this debate with SEC fans over the years, and you, you know that I, I firmly will tell anybody it's the best conference. So I don't sit here and even argue that. But my problem with a lot of the SEC fan bases that I see is – they are too big picture. In other words, they only care what their final record is. It doesn't really matter who they played. In other words, if you said to uh, an SEC fan, you know, you can legally within the rules be the national champion and play South Alabama and Presbyterian every other week, they'd do it. Mm. A lot of them. Um, they, than, they, they, I think any conference, Emil, would do it. It's going to be all about um, 
It's, it's, it's I, all about I mean the fan money, bases, man. not the conference. Like, I'll give you an example. I'm not a huge Notre Dame fan. I'm really not. But I'm not a hater either. Their fans actually like the schedule they play. They like seeing the good teams come in. And I, I have a feeling that if you told Notre Dame fans after a while, you're not playing any of those teams. We're just going to line up, uh, you know, uh, Wake Forest every other week for you and, and Duke. They wouldn't be happy about it. I don't. I don't get that sense with a lot. I don't of know. SEC come on now. Come on now. There's. A, uh, I don't know that uh, the SEC teams would do that as well. You telling me Alabama's okay with that? Florida would be okay with it? LSU? No. I mean, they want to be challenged. No, the, the they teams do themselves. This. No, but their fan bases are weird. I mean, no. it's almost like they don't care. They show up, 100,000 people show up and watch somebody beat the hell out of Presbyterian. Now, you know and I know, listen, even that's when Miami was... one week, though, Amol. I mean, that's not going to be cool week after week. I so mean, you're telling me if Miami slip. was good, you're telling me if Miami was good to the point that they were, you know, like rolling like they used to, mm. and it was a beautiful October day in South Florida, that the, the stadium may be packed to see them beat the hell out of Presbyterian? I don't think so. For Miami, I mean, you understand that there's a different dynamic here. This is Miami. It's not Gainesville. It's not Tuscaloosa. It's not, you know, Fayetteville. Uh, I get, okay, I'll give you another one. Like when USC had it going with Carroll, in October when, when USC had it going with Carroll, if, if Presbyterian rolled in there, there'd be 70,000 in the Coliseum, not 92. Okay, uh, you understand there's factors involved here, but nevertheless. Uh, I get it. All I'm trying to say is I, I don't understand how you could propose to miss a conference game against a bitter rival that you should want to play, okay, Florida. You should want to play Florida so you can play South Alabama. I'm sorry, I don't get that. Well, if you right, said well to here me, we if go. If you said to me, hey, USC has to skip, uh, you, you have to skip the Stanford game this year because you can't miss the game with Fresno State, as a fan, I'd be pissed. I don't care oh, about no doubt. beating the hell out of Fresno no doubt. State. And, I want uh, to see them play listen, Stanford. There's more on this. You like that? We're full service around here. Uh, right now, LSU AD Joe Oliva is on uh, 1040 ESPN confirming what he said on Thursday. The game against the University of Florida will not be made up this season. So I don't understand why the need for to say this season because <laughs> we're we going to double up. We're going to do a double up. <laughs> we'll play them twice next year. Well, explain this to me then. What happens with the conference standings? Okay, somebody's well, going to be short a game. Yeah, and then it's just tough luck. Let's say let's here, here's the scenario because they talked about this yesterday. Tennessee has two tough games coming up. They're at Texas A&M, then they take on Almighty Alabama the next week after that. As we know, Tennessee beat Florida a couple weeks ago, so um, you know they they have the heads up right now because of head to head. Should Tennessee go out and lose to both Texas A&M and Alabama? and Florida continues to win out with only one SEC loss as opposed to Tennessee's two losses, Florida's going to the SEC championship game by way of having won a bigger percentage of their SEC games. And that's the way the rule's written, and that's the way that it goes. And that would be the same for LSU, but they already have two losses. I believe uh, they already have a loss in the SEC. So um, it would be the same deal for them. If LSU could hang on with just that one loss within the conference and somehow – all of the others uh, happen to lose two games, or another team who had lost one game happened to lose against LSU. LSU is now 
going to the SEC championship game. There was talk yesterday, though, that if both teams were in the race, then they would go ahead and play the game, which is funny business to me. How are you going to do that? You know, and at what point do you determine that they're in the race? It would seem that you would. No, I think I, I mean, it, uh, through no. I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but if they can't get together and figure out how to make it up, I I think if they're shorter, you know, if they're a half game up or a half game down, then tough luck. You guys don't get it. You don't want to play. How do you explain? Don't, don't. How do you explain that? What if you're a Florida fan and you feel pretty confident you would have beat LSU at home? Tough luck. And figure out a way to get it done. Not their fault. They did suggest we play this game on the 19th, to which LSU balked. You can't, you can't penalize Florida for that. Florida didn't ask for Matthew to come. Number one. Number two. They 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 suggested to LSU, let's play this game on the 19th. LSU balked. Where did Florida go wrong? You know, tough. And then you got this thing known as a written rule that you can't just now go ahead and start putting white out on. So that's the unfortunate thing. If you're in Knoxville, Tennessee, while you're there celebrating bareback in the cow patch uh, about your win over Florida and your last-minute victory against Georgia, you better come with it this weekend, and you better have enough left in the tank should you beat Texas A&M this weekend and come up with a win next week against almighty Alabama if you're Tennessee. So don't spend too much time worrying about whether LSU and Florida are going to play. You need to go out and handle your business the next two weeks, then this all becomes a moot point. True or no, right. It's true. So, it's true. This is very messy. This is very messy, and I think that extremely at, some messy. Po- uh, at some point I'm wondering, does the SEC commissioner step in, even if it's not publicly, and, you know, make a few phone calls and say, listen, buddy, uh, you you got to play this game. Sorry, you know. I really feel like, Emil, what do you have a commissioner for? What do you have a league office for? What, what is that stuff for if not for things like this? You don't leave it up to those two. That'd be similar to LSU and Florida showing up to play this game this weekend without any officials. And anything goes. You're going to do anything you can to win in that situation. So there's a side of I, me that actually wonders. There's a side of me, if, I, if I'm Florida, I, I mean, and this is me, my personality. I know they won't do this. I'd probably embarrass LSU and offer to, to write the check. It's, it's going to be 500 grand or a million bucks. I mean, for a school like that. What, it's, for the it's, home it's, revenue? No, well, I'm not about the home revenue, but I'd offer to buy the game out. I'd say, you know what? What is it? A million bucks? I mean, that's these schools are talking in the billions in their endowments. I'd be like, here, we'll buy the game out for you. Yeah, well, we'll give you the you money. Know, I don't. I still don't even know. We'll if that donate would to be one enough. of your scholarship funds. How's that? We'll 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 give money to some of your academics. We'll we'll pay for it for you. Well, you know, listen, this isn't going to go away. And, uh, you know, I was listening to the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday, and they made a good point on there. When November 19th rolls around and that slate of games uh, shows up mm-hmm. for the SEC, um, everyone, the talk's going to be about how LSU and Florida could and should be playing on this particular day. But instead, what you have are these slate of games. And let me get to them real quick. As I can, let, me, let me run through these bad boys for you. Uh, that is week week 11 on the schedule. Florida's playing Presbyterian, as we discussed. Georgia's got Louisiana Lafayette. Kentucky's taking on Austin P. South Carolina's got Western Carolina. There's a conference game between Tennessee and Missouri. Alabama's got mighty Chattanooga coming to town. Auburn's got Alabama A&M flying in. LSU and South Alabama we know about. There's another conference game between Mississippi State and Arkansas. Texas A&M was kind enough to bring in UT San Antonio in. And uh, finally, a conference game between Mississippi and Vanderbilt. they got to come up with a name for this particular weekend 
in the SEC each week. Someone's got to come up with a name. And if you're out there listening, uh, I'd, I'd be it'd be great if you could let us know about it. And if you want to call into the show today, it's three four seven six three three nine three six five, or you can reach us on Twitter at Gridiron Studs. Well, listen, I didn't get a chance to talk about, about the show today. Sissy Not Saturday, our, we call it. How about Sissy something Saturday? Something along those lines. I'll, I will take that as the initial suggestion for this pansied week of uh, SEC scheduling that you've got week 12 of the college football season. Um, and not a normal show today. I'm not going to have my uh, big three segments with Florida, Florida State, and Miami. A number of reasons for that. There is an impending storm out there that has uh, caused at least someone in every county of this state to put up shutters because uh, everyone was uh, in the cone or possibility at one point or the other. So things are uh, not normal. There's no game for Florida this week. And, uh, the only thing I could talk about with Florida would be what we just talked about, um, who's wrong, who's right, and when is when or if this game is going to be played. Florida State is playing Miami. Um, and, you know, understandably, folks in the panhandle that could come on here and talk about Florida State are trying to figure out, A, how they're going to, you know, survive the storm possibly or how they're going to get their way down here to Fort Lauderdale. So can get in my regulars on here and then folks down here in South Florida are pretty busy. Um, just this little tidbit. You know, uh, as you're sitting there uh, up in Gainesville, the administrators are discussing some of the possible options as the storm was making its way to Florida. Uh, one of the things put out there, there are a number of things put out. First was pushing the game back a little later in the day. Um, it was scheduled to be noon, so they talked about putting it at 4 or 5 o'clock. I really thought this should have been a night game anyway. Nevertheless, that was a talk. And then they also talked about this, and we're moving the game to Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. And now Tampa was probably, of all the areas in the state of Florida, the one least likely to feel the effects of Matthew. So it became an attractive option, except Florida State and Miami had already started discussing the possibility of moving the game to Raymond James Stadium. So that took that off the table. As it stands, Florida State and Miami have decided to keep the game at Hard Rock Stadium. Um, and so you couldn't even do... It would have been. I, I think that could have been a viable option, Emil. Uh, Florida well, yeah. at Raymond James Stadium, except Miami and Florida State were already in negotiations to possibly do it, so that got blocked. Uh, but as it stands now, that would have been great. But it's not going to happen. That would have worked out perfectly, actually. Awesome. I, you know, I wouldn't mind going to Tampa. You know, got got family out there. It would have been, it would have been great. But uh, yeah. Florida State, Miami, kind of blocked that. Nevertheless. Um, that's what you got. So that game's not happening. Uh, according to LSU's AD, it's not going to happen this year. They're thinking about playing a, a day-night doubleheader next year. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't understand uh, the talk there. So, um, yeah. So that's we're not going to have the big three segment day-night doubleheader. <laughs> yeah, a day-night doubleheader. Florida. State. How about that? <laughs> you just caught it. You're slow this morning. Go get your coffee, friend. <laughs> You know what I was Grab thinking that. about? I was thinking about day night double headers because your your October's been a little slow the last few years. Oh yeah, there you go. Um, true that. Um, nevertheless, so I'm not having the high school football segment either because they've just canceled football games left and right all up and down the state. Uh, so not much to talk about there. So it's, you're stuck with just Amel and I here for the next uh, you know a little bit less than an hour as we're going to go do our our college football. And uh, NFL football thing we're coming up in the next segment. We're going to preview the bigger games that are actually happening uh, Saturday, tomorrow in college football. And then we'll give you our predictions along with uh, the NFL segment coming up where we talk about this week's matchups. We do our fantasy focus uh, powered by FanDuel.com. And we'll also pick, we'll, I'll try, we'll try and pick up the pieces. I think I had an O for a collar 
last week in the NFL. I need to clean that up quick, fast, in a hurry. So stay with us. We're going to take a break. When we get back, it's college football time here on the Gridiron Studs Show. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, you can do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper soul at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. Football season's here and you want yourself set up for the weekend. Well, the Gridiron Stud Show is the place to be. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. and get the best picks in college and NFL football from Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino. They'll break it down for you, give you a little analysis and a little intelligence. You can do that or you can do this and listen to this. Hey, call me now. I've got the tub plays for the entire weekend. Call me now on a recorded 
faces that will give you free the Jets versus the Bills, the Lions versus the Cowboys, and the Eagles versus the Bucks. Call me now on good winners for you. The entire weekend, absolutely free. 1-800-238-I-WIN. 1-800-238-I-WIN. I've got all the inside info from all the casinos. That are those tickets. Call me free. I've got all the winners. Give them to me. I got them to you. You get them. You got them. I got them. We all got them. No need for that foolishness. Gridiron Stud Show. Every Friday, 10 a.m., Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino give you their top picks in college and NFL, and we win without all the foolishness. No spitting, no yelling. Top plays every week. Tune in every Friday, 10 a.m., Gridiron Stud Show, Blog Talk Radio, hosted by Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino. See you there. Stud Show, 1028 Football Friday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Down here in uh, sunny South Florida. <laughs> uh, I hate to make light of it. We actually don't have much sun here today, but nevertheless, we avoided, um, you know, uh, the big direct hit from Matthew, which is... Wait, the- wait, oh, wait. You guys are getting a hurricane down that way, and you're bitching because you don't have sun? Boy, yeah, you, I mean, we expect are, sun down. You yeah, are, what's that word? Uh, you're brazen. How's that word? You're brazen. Is that the morning. word? Yeah, well, yeah, I'll take that. I've been called worse. Okay. Uh, this week alone, trust me, uh, I've been called you know, worse. I, sure. I got, I, that was your wife. I threw myself a, yeah, I threw myself a little bit. Uh, she loves me, by the way. I threw a, myself a little bit into uh, into the middle of uh, some uh, some LSU Florida talk yesterday, so, you know, the insults come flying. When you do that, I, I decided to dip my toe into that little back and forth a little bit. Um, so, Fast you know, and furious, I'm bullets, sure you did. Bullets, yeah, bullets, bullets went flying. But hey, listen, let's enough talk about what's not happening. Uh, there's some good football games that are going down this weekend, and uh, that starts tomorrow with the. Uh, where, where, where do we want to start off first, Emil? Let's talk. Let's go with the, you know what, I'm going to save the ACC for last this week. Let's do talk about the SEC since that's been on everyone's mind let's knock that one out first for everyone and starting off with that since there's a bit of a short slate Auburn is taking on Mississippi State anyone here care I do as a matter of fact because I do have a pick on this contest so um, really I, I, I this is a, I'll be here I'll be curious to hear that pick I mean these two teams seem you know fairly matched uh, up as far as, you know, even on paper. They're both trying to find their way to get some footing. I, I don't know where you're going with that, so you can tell me uh, who's going to win this game when you get to it. Yeah, I guarantee I'm going to pick one team to beat another in this one. Uh, Tennessee taking on Texas A&M. That's the big one. That That is a big game. Uh, number eight versus number nine. Uh, both teams come in 5-0 and overall, undefeated in the conference. I will have a pick later. On this I don't game. see that. Uh, That's why I stayed silent after I said this. I knew you would go big game hunting and take on Tennessee versus Texas A&M. Me personally, okay, if Tennessee, after what's gone down the last two weeks, quite frankly, against Ohio, they had to do a little bit of something to, to get that win. So it's been three straight weeks of you know kind of cardiac play. Um, you come from way behind on Florida. 
and win that. Very super emotional. Um, and emotional would be an understatement as to what happened last weekend with Georgia as you, you trumped their Hail Mary with another Hail Mary of your own. Now, to for the second week in a row, go to Texas A&M and get a victory. If Tennessee wins this game, look out. They're not only good, they've got something magical going on. They've got some superpower behind them. I just can't envision Tennessee winning this football game. Uh, the only thing they could hope is that Texas A&M is feeling like I do, overly so, and they fall on their face. But they don't have to win problem. the game. Remember that. The, the, they only well, have to I, cover I'm, for I'm our... talking. I'm not even. I'm not talking point spread wise. I'm just talking straight up. Oh, yeah. Tennessee can go in there and win in College Station, one of the toughest places in the country to win. With depleted, I would have to think emotionally, it would uh, indicate that you know they're ready to do some very serious. Serious things. Um, another big one in the conference, and maybe people would not have thought this some while ago, but Alabama is taking on Arkansas. Um, I almost made this a pick, Emil, and I don't make it a habit of picking against Alabama, but when you're going there and you send this Alabama team as a 14-point favorite against Arkansas, I think you're overdoing things. I think you're overstating things a little bit for Alabama. Arkansas, despite the you know what went down last week, uh, or a couple of weeks ago with them, with Texas A&M, where they got kind of handled a little bit. I think they're a better team than uh, maybe the odds makers think. And it also seems a little bit with Alabama this year that, um, you know, while, while if you look on paper, they've scored some uh, it's been high a struggle, point totals. It's been a struggle. Well, it seems like they score with their defense uh, setting them up or actually scoring. So I think if Arkansas can avoid the, the, the horrible turnovers, it becomes a hard number for Alabama to cover. I mean, even if you go back to the opener where they killed USC 52-6, to they got 21 points defensively, either through directly running it in or putting their offense on the 10-yard line or something like that. Great yeah. And uh, yeah, Arkansas' I mean, style of play doesn't lend itself to those type of turnovers. You know what I mean? They just, they're just close to the best team. And I think there's a little bit – it's funny, Arkansas is ranked 16th in the country, so you would say, well – how can you overlook a road game at the number 16 team? Well, it's because you're sitting there with the number nine team on the road the following week, and you might get Alabama not quite 100% focused on Arkansas with a little eye forward toward Tennessee. And how about this stretch for Alabama? And I'll tell you what, Alabama runs this 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 uh, trifecta or, or even four in a row. And I'm going to say something. I'm going to be impressed. They're at Arkansas, at Tennessee. Home with Texas A&M, and say what you want about LSU. It's a road game at LSU is still a test. They have a road game. Yeah, at LSU the fortunate after thing that. for them is a bye before that LSU game, but it's still a tough four-game stretch there for, for you know uh, Alabama coming up. So, and it's yeah, I would take Arkansas Arkansas. this game. I won't make it a pick because I'm a little scared. I I liked Arkansas that game against Texas A&M, and I'm a little scared what I saw Texas A&M do to them in the second half of that game. But at home, getting two touchdowns, uh, if you, you force me to make a play here, I'm taking the home team with that many points. Yeah, let's slide over to the Big Ten. Uh, the two top games listed here, I, I have picks on both of them. Maryland traveling to Penn State to take on the Nittany Lions. I have a pick on that one. Um, and, you know, Penn State's up from up your way. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the Nittany Lions, what they're doing. Their 3-2 and two season just seems like it's a losing season at this point. But can they bounce back, and is this a prime spot for them to do it? I almost made this a pick for my, uh, you know, in this spot. I like the Maryland coach. I like the direction he's taking the program. Uh, they've played nobody so far. I get that. They're 4-0. and 
But when I when I take a look at Penn State, you know, they've played one team that, you know, I consider good, Michigan, beat them by almost six touchdowns. Uh, they, they, you know, they got kind of a little bit fortunate to win a home game against Minnesota last week in overtime. I have, I mean, I want to hear what you say, but I have a hard time taking anybody other than Maryland in this game. Yeah, well, we'll see if Maryland's even prepared for a game like this based on who they've played so far. I'll have more on that later on. Iowa taking on Minnesota, another game that I'm going to pick. I'm hanging out in your neck of the woods, Big Ten country this year, so I'm, I've got a pick on this one. Uh, I don't know if you have an opinion at all on it. I would love to hear how you're getting a read on, on these two teams. Uh, you know, Iowa has just been a mystery to me so far, the way they've played. Uh, you know, Minnesota hasn't played anyone. They're 3-1. and one. They lost last week to Penn State. Um, Iowa's kind of, you know, what we expected more out of Iowa. I think both of us did. Uh, they're sure. sitting at 3-2 and two at this point. Uh, you know, it's a short number. Um, if you force me, I'm going to take Iowa just based on pedigree, but I'm, I'm going to swallow hard doing it. So you can tell us later where you're going with that. Yeah, um, two unranked teams here, but nevertheless a pretty good matchup. BYU, oddly enough, sitting at 2-3. and three. I think we both expected a little bit more from BYU, knowing, though, that they did have a tough schedule this season. And Michigan State, um, you never know what to expect from Michigan State every year. We usually undercut them, uh, underestimate them. But uh, this year, you know, maybe a little bit of a fallback for them. I don't understand the loss last week. Uh, at Indiana, totally caught me by surprise off of the embarrassment against Wisconsin. So, not really sure. It's a home game for Michigan State. I can't see them losing three in a row, Emil. No, and the thing with BYU is BYU really has a, a difficult time, it seems, depend, against good opponents moving the football. I mean, they did they did it last week, but that you know that was not really a, a defensive team. They're, you know, when they play teams that tend to play some defense, I, I've noticed that they – they struggle to crack 20 sometimes. And, uh, you know, Michigan State, like you said, I just can't see them losing three in a row. This would be, I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to, to pick BYU to win this game outright. Now, as far as the point spread, it's an odd number because, like I said, BYU tends to get into those defensive games, and Michigan State doesn't mind playing that way. So, you know, you could see this game being a 20-17 to 17 type affair. It's, sure. it's, a, it's a hard number. Yeah, uh, and obviously too hard because neither one of us want to mess with it. Uh, Ohio State, a couple of things here. Um, 28 and a half, and I'd say only 28 and a half, but a couple of things. Ohio State coming off of a 58 to nothing shutout win. Sometimes you tend to let your guard down. They do travel to Wisconsin next week. There's a, there's a lot of reasons why they would overlook Indiana right here, but yeah, Ohio State right now has not – they've geared up for every game. 77-10 versus Bowling Green, 48-3 versus Tulsa. They smack Oklahoma on the road and, and get a bye after that. And when you think they're going to let down off of that win, 58 nothing over Rutgers. Ohio State looks like a team on a mission. I don't know if Jim Harbaugh has got them all riled up or whatever, but I'm just not in the, I'm not in the mode of where I say I'm going to go against Ohio State for any reason. No, and you know, the the thing that concerns me here with Indiana is the win last week, believe it or not, against Michigan State. Um I saw the end of that game, and you know, I I would have thought they won the national championship. I'm a little worried that they're giddy off that win, and uh, they're going to go to Ohio State and get absolutely drilled. You know, something I've noticed over the years, though, when it comes to a program like Indiana, that's not necessarily a winning program, to get a victory like that ahead of a game against a big time opponent sometimes has the opposite effect. Whereas they get 
a little bit more confidence and they play better against that bigger team. That's something that concerns Could me. Be. Now, if they were playing, yeah, if they were playing in Minnesota this week, oh, for sure, I'd be looking at Minnesota because you know you get this idea, oh, we're really good. We can overlook a Minnesota, which you can't overlook anyone if you're Indiana. But when you're going to play Ohio State, you're not sure about yourself, and you just go out and you get yourself a win against Michigan State, you come out and feel like, hey, you know what? We can play with the big boys. And a lot of times that's just what some of these programs need to hang. Having said all that, I ain't going against Urban Meyer and Ohio State right now. They're just on a serious roll. If you ask me, they're the number one team in the country. Yeah, I agree. So let me ask you this. Do you think that as they watch film this week, the fact that Indiana beat Michigan State might help Ohio State in that it start it gets your attention. In other words, if Indiana goes and gets rolled by Michigan State, maybe Ohio State sitting here as a five touchdown favorite at that point, and they're saying, "Oh my God, we're going to kill these guys." Whereas now they're looking at that film saying, "Wait, they just knocked off Michigan State. Didn't, didn't Michigan State beat yeah, us last year?" Yeah, it makes it easy. It makes it an easier job for you as a coach uh, when you have that situation. You prefer that. Uh, you prefer that the opponent that you're about to play didn't get, you know, drug all over the field. So now you have something you could use to them. Hey, look, if you guys want to sleepwalk through practice and preparation this week and not watch film, I'm letting you know this team that came in here just whipped our rival. Um, you know, I don't remember, did Michigan State beat Ohio State last year? Even yeah, if, that know, was their only did, loss. Could, that's what kept Ohio State right. from you that could, playoff. Yeah, you could say that. Listen, this team beat the team that beat us last year. So, you know, you better come in here with the right frame of mind. That helps. But, you know, I'm saying, I don't know, Ohio State's on something different, it looks like to me right now. So it doesn't even matter. I think they're geared up for all these games one way or another. Michigan, uh, having spoken about Jim Harbaugh and the guys, the number four team in the country, is going to take on Rutgers. They're going to travel to do this. Now, Rutgers, Amol, has been, you know, uh, they got to get up off the canvas after last week. And while I would say you just lost the game 58 nothing, we ought to be getting the best out of you, there's that guy over there that coaches for Michigan that is super, super competitive. And if his arch rival just won 58 to nothing, guess what he's trying to do? Oh, yeah. You know what? I wouldn't, you wouldn't find me anywhere near Rutgers in this game, but it's hard to lay 30 points on the road. I mean, this is a setup where Michigan has nobody in front of them that they have to worry about. You're not going to get a look ahead. And as you said, Ohio State might have helped get Michigan's attention. It seems like these two are having a, a, a game in, inside the game. So uh, I'd stay away from this, but if you forced me, I'd probably lay the 30. If, you, if I had to pick it on a card or something where we were picking 15 games, and that was one of them. I'd pick Michigan. Yeah, I'm not in. I'm not in the mode of going against Michigan or Ohio State right now until I see some kind of a stumble. And the only thing close to a stumble I've seen uh, out of Michigan, well, you know, 14-7 last week was you know a little bit unexpected. But Wisconsin's uh, good in a way that people don't realize was their game against Colorado. But lo and behold, Colorado's turned out to be one of the biggest surprises in college football this year. So right now, Michigan and Ohio State firing on all cylinders. Let's well, I'm going to, to tell you something, too, about Michigan. Wait, before you go, one thing, keep an eye on with them moving forward as we get into some of the tougher games. They they better clean up their kicking game. I watched that game last week. Their kicker missed two or three field goals that were very makeable. And I know that sounds – you said, oh, 14-7. That game easily could have been more breathing room for them. They, they missed some field goals in that game. I think it was three kicks they, he missed. Did he not? Three field goals were missed? Something like that. Conference? I mean, you better clean that up because, I mean, these games, when you start playing the teams like the, you know, it, last week was Wisconsin, you're going to play Ohio State, the Michigan States. You get in those kind of games and they're tight, those field goals come back and bite you. Yeah, I am pretty sure, Emil, 
that that kicker had a real fired up conversation um, and really not from him, but from head coach Jim Harbaugh in some corner part of a tunnel in that stadium where Jim Harbaugh got him really fired up about, you know, wanting to be a scholarship football player at Michigan because you shouldn't take it for granted. I, I think one of them type conversations went down uh, with I the kid, kid I left with a different it. perspective. <laughs> yeah, you know, are sure, you happy sure with your, you know, being able to not have to pay for books and go to class for free? Are you? Okay, well, get the kicking <laughs> through them two orange posts. I think that conversation <laughs> went down. Uh, boring week in the Big 12. Uh, I don't have much to say about Kansas State versus Texas Tech or Okie State versus Iowa State or TCU versus Kansas. They fed us uh, that this week. But there is one very important game in the Big 12 that uh, needs our conversation for a myriad of reasons. One, because it's the Red River rivalry, if they even call it that anymore, Texas versus Oklahoma. And then there's also some employment um, implications in this one. Uh, as Texas takes on Oklahoma, uh, Texas started off gangbusters, Emil. They went out there in a very exciting game. Um, the opening weekend beat Notre Dame 50-47. to Charlie Strong is on his way at Texas. Things are finally going the way that he wants them to go. Follows it up with a 41-7 easy victory the next week, and then something happened here the last couple of games. Uh, they go give up 50 to Cal and lose on the road. Then Oklahoma State puts up 49 on him, and now the defensive coordinator is fired, a guy he brought from Louisville. And then, hey, you know what, Charlie? You might not be here at the end of the year. So this is is this a must-win game for Charlie Strong? I, I think Charlie's basically already fired. I mean, unless they were going to win their last eight games in a row or something, which, you know, you he think might that's pull, what it would take? I think he's I, I here's what I think about Charlie Strong. I think he was put in a, you know, I might sound like an apologist for him. I think he was put in a difficult position. He put himself in and he accepted the job, of course, but I think Texas is an is a, an odd bird. Um just a tough place for him. I don't think he was ever viewed by the by the the big money alumni uh and boosters down there as a Texas guy, so to speak. And wondering what even that is. It would what what uh was Mac a Texas guy? Uh I'll leave you to figure that out. <laughs> okay. I think I know what um, Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I still I still always get that, that tinge down there of, you know, Remember, this is this is a place where 50 years ago Ernie Davis, you know, feared they feared for his life to play down there. And Very I know true. That Very might true. Not, that, that might not be fair, and things change. And I've been down there, and I never felt that. But I'm not black, so I mean, I didn't feel. I, I was going to I was, was going to point that out yeah. to you if you'd missed that yes. little nugget. Uh, but yeah, okay, I missed okay, that you're nugget. You're on top of it. Although I do tan very well, and you, I could surprise you <laughs> if I said. But that's that. Oh man. Um, he um. I always felt like there was like a half and half down there. Like half the people were thrilled to have him because he's a really solid guy and a good football coach, and half of them wanted someone else. And you know, I, I've heard we had conversations. I think you started one on, or somebody did on Facebook yesterday about him. And um, well, you know, and I, I had said, well, if he does get fired, he should be on USC shortlist. And somebody said, well, do you think he can recruit out there? And I said, listen. Charlie Strong's a good football coach, and he relates to kids. At these kind of schools, you're going to recruit. Texas's issues right now are not because uh, he doesn't have players. I mean, he might not have all the guys he wants, but I just think he's in a tough spot there. It's just weird. I I, I, I get the sense he even feels like maybe he, he doesn't belong. I don't know how to 
to to describe it. I, I, I see a different guy than the one I saw coaching previously. So, so let me ask you this. Eight and four, you beat Oklahoma this weekend. Let's say you beat Oklahoma by 12 points. Let's say you come out of there with a 28-12 to 12 win over Oklahoma, and then you finish the season eight and four. That's not going to be good enough, you think, to keep you know, Charlie Strong in Texas? It's hard because Texas has, and again, they're a great program, but they have a little bit of an even, as great as the Texas program has been throughout the years, their their fan base has an inflated view of the program. I mean, they've won four national championships, 63, 69, 70, and then it took them 35 more years. Uh, so they've yeah, so been chill really, out. really good. Right, chill out. That's what I say, but... You know, Mac Brown spoiled them, and and when Mac Brown spoiled them, it actually got Mac fired. Because if you remember, for ten, twelve years in a row there, Texas was in the top six or seven in the country almost every year. Remember, every sure. year, right there. And then as soon as that goes back to eight and four, well, no more Mac. So do you think that's going to last with a guy who didn't have the first ten or twelve years stored in the safe? Because he comes in there. And nobody wants to accept the fact that the program had fallen. Look at Texas's record and look at their performance on the field since Colt McCoy left. They haven't had a quarterback, uh, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I paid attention. They've struggled. Yeah, I paid attention. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, you know, they're part of that fan base that's just not, uh, you know, in touch with reality. You know, so. Nevertheless, um, yeah, I'm with you. Charlie Strong probably needs to move on somewhere else. And I don't know, staying back here on this game, though, Oklahoma's 11.5-point favorite. Would you lay those points with Oklahoma? Do you think Texas uh, – do you think the Texas boys love Charlie Strong to the point where they could, you know, hang in this game? Well, this game's had some weird results over the years, to say the least. But here's a situation where I think Oklahoma kind of saved their season with that TCU game. Um, you know, the season was in the balance. They had lost the early out-of-conference game to Houston, who's better than we thought they were, and another out-of-conference game uh, to Ohio State, who you just mentioned, and I agree with you, is probably the best team in the country at this point. Um, at TCU last week, I feel saved their season. Now they have something to play for. Uh, they're in that Big 12 race. Uh, they don't have a conference loss there. Coaching staff can sell them on that. They might have some momentum. I would probably lay it here at Oklahoma. I, I think Texas is in a little bit of disarray. When you start seeing guys demoted, at, the coordinator didn't get fired. He got demoted, from what I understand, to defensive backs coach. When you start seeing that kind of stuff this early in the season, that's usually not good. So uh, I think this may be a, a situation yeah. where Oklahoma is ready ready for them in this game. Yeah, I, I'm kind of leaning, and I'm, I'm going to tell you ever so slightly in the direction of Texas, is I think this is going to be their last hurrah here this year. You know, they're going to go hard in this one, and if it doesn't work out the way that they want, then, you know, I'm really scared for the rest of their season. And you know, the, I know the AD of Texas says that Charlie Strong will make it to the end of the year. I'm, I'm doubting that if they lose this game um, because I feel like the next couple of weeks might be – tragic uh to if i can use that word so tragic. there you have it That's, yeah tragic for them you know uh, here's here we go uh moving out to the pac-12 now um colorado and usc naimel in uh, in a thousand years okay first of all i know you didn't even ever expect to see the colorado buffaloes in the pac-12 
I don't know if you ever thought the Pac-10 would turn into the Pac-12. There's a lot going on here. But above all that, did you ever think you'd see a time where Colorado would stroll into the Coliseum with a 4-1 record taking on 2-3 and three USC? Wrap your mind around that. No, and, you know, put, let's put this in perspective. In their first five years in the Pac-12, 2011 through 2015, Colorado's conference record was 5-40. Five, five wins, 40 losses. They're 2-0 and right now in the conference. I can't wait to dive into this turnaround uh, for Colorado and just really try to figure out what has what, what has led to this. I'd love to know. It's just so quick and sudden. No one, you couldn't even really, you know, a couple of things last year. You said, all right, they're probably moving in the right direction. They'll win a couple more games next year. But the turnaround here has been quite amazing, and I, I really want to know how that. I'm into that kind of stuff, so I'd like to know how. Having said all and, that, you know, what, what's what's gotten high, what's gotten hidden in this particular game. Um, uh, we'll throw out a prop for you. You last week picked USC to drill Arizona State, and you were spot on. They were up by 35 in the third quarter, and they won by three touchdowns. You never had to worry about that. Um, mm-hmm. Sam Darnold has come in at USC, the redshirt freshman, and if you remember, I mentioned to you early in the year when they were making that decision, he should be the starter. I said they right. picked the wrong guy with Max Brown. He quietly played very well at Utah. They somehow gave that game away. They were up 10 points going into the fourth quarter. They lost on a touchdown at the end, 31-27. He played great last week. That's kind of been buried in USC's slow start, Um, but I I think they might have their quarterback now. Yeah, um, and that's part of what I'd be saying here. I'm going to back USC as a six-point favorite in this one. Um, Just even from a line standpoint, Colorado's 4-1. They and the, and the one game that they lost was a pretty good battle with Michigan, um, and here they are as a six-point underdog to USC. That should tell you something. They're coming off of wins over Oregon and Oregon State, um, yet you're an underdog to USC, and there's a reason for that. And like I, you know, you said, um, yeah, USC's found their quarterback, uh, and I think they're a different team with him there. So we can kind of hold off on some of the Clay Helton's going to get fired. Who's going to replace him? Talk. For now, as I think USC is ready to come out and play some good football here over the next few weeks, and that's going to start with this game against Colorado. I wouldn't be surprised to see USC win this game by two touchdowns. So, you know, there you have it. Um, Washington, can they keep their heads on straight um, after totally demolishing Stanford and, and go to Oregon and be the next team to, you know, solidify the end of the, Duck, the Oregon Ducks era in, in Pac-12? Well, we've talked about Oregon over the last couple of years, and I mentioned that I thought that the the fall-off in coaching would start to show, and I I think that's the case here. They had their little thing. They had a couple of things going on at Oregon. They had superior facilities, which they still have, but, you know, the gap is closing as other teams are building, you know, facilities that are, you know, pretty close and and they're in nicer places. They have the uniform gig, but that's, you know, Nike, Nike and Under Armour and all these teams are, all these companies are capitalizing and all these teams are doing the goofy uniforms, as I like to call them. So right. all those little things have started to close on Oregon's window. They had the goofy offense, as I like to call it. You see, I like that word a lot. But they have, yeah. they had that going, goofy and now it. all these teams have it. Everybody's running that stuff, okay? In yeah, some they way, gimmicked shape, or form. their way to the top. They really did gimmick. Uh, now, you know, I don't want to take away from the fact that they had some pretty good players. They got some guys into the NFL. But by and large, 
they built up this image on a lot of gimmicks, the uniform, the the funny pictures on the side, even the offense and everything. A loss in that is they just never really played defense the way it needed to be played. And that's the situation this year. 51, 41, 35 are the points totals given up in their last three games against, you know, quality opponents. Do they have anything to stop Washington who looks pretty solid right now? And the game is well, Washington. Well, there's, there's two sides favorite. if you're looking at this game. Washington hates them for those people who don't follow Pac-12 football. This is one of those, you know, rivalries, you know, beyond Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State. Washington and Oregon don't like one another. Um, and, you know, for years in that little rivalry, back in the 70s, 80s, even the 90s, Washington was the bully, and, and Oregon took the beatdowns. Well, it flipped in the last 15 years, and now, you know, Washington's taken the beatdown. So there's a side of me that says, you know, Washington's got this game circled regardless for a long time. But then there's another side that says, they just played Stanford, and they beat them pretty good. And now you're asking them to go and basically beat Oregon by double digits on their field. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the experience in me tells me that if I'm playing this game, I'm going to take the points and hold on tight. Uh, because I just I think if Oregon's going to do anything this year and have a decent season, it's got to start with a stand right here. They can't, they can't play at home against a rival and get blown out. If they do, this season is going to go really, really bad really quickly for Oregon. So I, I would, you know how I, I take... look at a number like nine, Emil? Like the number nine pisses me off. It's like, well, are they good or not? I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, if they're right. not, you, you drop it around seven or so. And if they're, if they are, why aren't they double-digit favorites? Like, what's nine? Stop it already with the nine. So that right. nine's like a number of doubt to me, and I'm gonna go ahead and run with that and say uh, Oregon, because uh, I'm with you. If they don't take a stand now, then this thing's gonna totally slide down uh, the 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 toilet right now. Right? They're circling around in the bowl. Um, if they lose to Washington by this number or more, then they're gonna go ahead and go all the way down there. That's the end of Oregon. They're somewhere in the pipes. Somewhere. Well, they'll be 0 three uh, in conference that play. I mean, think about that. If I told you at the beginning of the season. Six games into the season, Oregon would be two and four and zero oh and three in conference play. You would probably tell me to get my head checked. Yeah, I'd, I'd, have said, yeah. Real... Yeah. I'd have said yeah. I'd have said yeah. Man, Oregon. maybe I guess, but yeah, I couldn't see that much of a. Yeah, I couldn't see that much of a fall. So I don't know. They don't have to win this game. They have to be competitive. I think they can be competitive. Arizona and Utah. Uh, Arizona was on my list. Um, Utah is a nine and a half point favorite. Too many points for Utah. I think that's a lot off of last year uh, reputation, uh, off of the USC game that you, you know, frankly explained that they were well on their way to a loss in that contest. Utah hasn't really done anything to impress anybody. Um, Twenty to nineteen, one point win at home versus BYU. Um, a bit of a, a struggle, I dare say, against San Jose State. And then you were pretty much losing the game to USC until USC went to sleep. Then you lost at Cal. You're not a, you're not in a nine-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Granted, I know Arizona's a losing football team, but Arizona just played Washington and UCLA. These are games they were supposed to lose. I, I like Arizona in this one. Yeah, I would too. Utah's one of those teams that they're best off when they're in those games like the USC game where they can hang around and win at the end and they don't have to blow somebody out. Um, they're they're almost the Wisconsin of the West, if I may. Uh, they'll just bore you to death and then you look up and somehow it's still a football game. So when you ask right. them to win by double digits, that's a lot usually. So I'm like, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, UCLA and Arizona State. Here's the funny thing about Arizona State. 
Um, in most years, they don't match up very well for whatever reason against USC. They usually get ran up off the field, which was the case again this year. As last week, they went and got punched in the mouth uh, against USC. But they they do seem to play well against the other team in Los Angeles, UCLA. And last year uh, in Los Angeles, they won the game 38-23. And on the heels of uh, what happened last week with them with USC, I think Arizona State's going to have a really solid, focused week of practice. They better. And I think it's going to result in um, a win for them. Crazy enough, UCLA is a 10-point favorite in this contest. I probably should have made this a pick, but I didn't. But I am strongly on the side of Arizona State as a double-digit underdog at home. Who's UCLA to be doing to be laying this number? Yeah, that's. Uh, I made it a pick. I don't know if I, if we're going to agree, so I won't say too much. But I did make it a pick in this game. Uh, having seen Arizona State play last week, they have some issues. I know their quarterback might not play, so that that could that could be fueling this number a little bit too. So uh, I'll tell you what I think later when we get to the picks. All right, and finally, uh, they're a ranked team. Uh, I wouldn't talk much about this game otherwise, but Stanford, can they get back up off the canvas um, in this game against Washington State? I believe they can. The number seven's kind of a little bit of a difficult number, but – uh, I think Stanford will get back in it in this one. Washington State may be, you know, a little giddy off of their big 51-33 win over Oregon last week. Well, they may be a little bit better, though, than than their record indicates. So it's a hard read in that sense. I mean, they lost their opener to Eastern Washington, who's a subdivision powerhouse, by the way. I mean, Eastern Washington is sitting at 4-1, and one, and their only loss is to defending champion North Dakota State in overtime, 50-44. to uh, 44. So... I mean, they're a very solid team. As you know, you sh- you shouldn't lose to them. I get it, but it's not like they're garbage. And then they lost the game to Boise by three points, thirty-one twenty-eight. Before, as you said, they beat Oregon last week. It's a tough game because you don't know the mindset. I think David Shaw has Stanford ready to play, and this might be one of those games where they get that touchdown late, um, grinding out, you know, just pounding Washington State. So I, I would tend to lean toward uh, a very well coached Stanford team here. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. So um, that's going to take us out of the Pac-12. We're going to end with the ACC this week. Like I said, um, that's where all the action is, or at least you know for us down here in South Florida, which is a majority of our audience. And so I will save the big one for last. But Clemson, um, after that big old dog fight with Louisville, that came down to the final seconds, is going to go take on Boston College, and there's seven. 15 point favorites in this contest. Can Clemson climb above that number? Will they have the, the juice? Cle- to uh, this, well, I mean, to be cliche here, Clemson's only game here is Clemson. I mean, they're playing themselves in this game. Uh, this is not, I mean, this is a, a bad Boston College team. Opener loss to Georgia Tech. Uh, they got a win against UMass, Wagner, and Buffalo. And in, in, in between, Virginia Tech beat them 49 nothing. Um, if Clemson is focused, they can easily cover this. The question is, and that's why I will not touch this game, is I don't know Clemson's focus. They seem to be bored at times this year. Um, that game last week was one of the better college football games you're going to see this season. Um, I don't know what Clemson has emotionally to give to this game in the week of preparation. So I would steer yeah, clear I, of it. I, I feel like that number's high. They have shown the ability to be bored. Um, this would be a game where they would be bored. What's more boring than what Boston College does? Um, and Boston College has a way to limit possessions for the opposition. 
um, with the way that they play offensively. So Clemson might even dominate and still not cover this number simply because they don't have enough opportunities to score the way that they want to. So I'd probably lean towards Boston College, but obviously not uh, a ton of confidence in that. But if I was going one way, I'd go with Boston College on this one. Very interesting game in the ACC uh, here, Emil. It's Virginia Tech traveling to take on North Carolina. Now, Carolina just bumped off, um, you know, the Titans, the previous Titans of this conference, Florida State, uh, which this is not your typical Florida State team this year. But nevertheless, on the heels of a win like that, taking on a Virginia Tech team that people aren't really talking about, North Carolina is only a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. This raised my eyebrows a little bit, and I'm leaning on the side of Virginia Tech. This is a game I considered – making uh, a pick. I don't know if you feel that same way, but over the last couple of weeks, Virginia Tech has flexed some kind of muscle and looks like they may want to be a football team this year, 49 nothing over Boston College, and come back the next week against East Carolina, who's no punk, and beat them 54-17. This may be a better Virginia Tech team than people realize. I'm leaning in their direction. I, I like Tech in this game, um, and I started to take notice of them early in the year. I picked against them one week with Tennessee and got lucky and won, but but the score really Tech hung with them in the first two and a half quarters and then got tired late and lost 45-24 at Tennessee. But I really like the way uh, uh, Tech's playing right now, and I think North Carolina may come up a little emotionally short in this game after uh, last week's big win against Florida State. They had a, a close one the week before. They beat Pitt by a point. So they've had back-to-back tight ones. And in rules, Virginia Tech, I think this may be a situation where uh, Virginia Tech catches them at the right at the right time and uh, yeah. walks in. A sandwich game. game, believe it or not. You just had the big upset win over Florida State. You got Virginia Tech, then you're at Miami next week. Tough three-game stretch yes. there. This may be the game where they just don't come out very focused. And so let's talk about the big game uh, for this weekend, the big game in the ACC. It's 23, 23rd ranked. I, I can't believe it's still ranked. Uh, Florida State. Traveling down here to uh, Hard Rock Stadium to face the University of Miami. Uh, Florida State has won six in a row in this series. And, um, you know, if you talk to their fans, they say, listen, forget about what's happened last week in the Louisville game. We still got the juice against the University of Miami. You know, I'm not big into picking University of Miami games, but I just feel, Amal, like this is the time Miami ends this six-game losing streak that they have against Florida State. This was my fourth pick, and I have to throw one out, and I threw it out. Uh, but I, I really, really like Miami in this game for a lot of reasons. Uh, Rick is new to the, uh, to, to this rivalry, so there's not a lot of uh, – they don't know how to prepare for him. I mean, it's not like Florida State played Georgia every year either. So, the, you know, they have a new coach, new coaching staff. Uh, they come in here Miami – as you said, six in a row, that's got to be bugging them. This is the opportunity. Florida State, no matter what they want to talk, you and I called this a couple of years ago with those two programs we happened to mention, Oregon and Florida State. We both felt like they were headed in the wrong direction, and it was just a matter of time, and I think it's catching up with Florida State right now. The talent is there, but they just don't play Florida State defense uh, for whatever reason that is. And in this game, I think Miami will run the ball, play solid defense, and and cover the three points and win this game. I, I think the streak ends uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, you know, listen, uh, just to spend a moment on this, I, I have put this out there, and, um, you know, when you when a team's winning, it's like you're whistling into the wind. But, you know, I went up there to Florida State a couple of years ago, and this was the year, right, yeah, you know, the season right before Jameis Winston, and looked around, and I've been pretty good, Emil, 
um, having gone on these unofficial visits with you know both of my sons and and kind of getting a good read for a program. I, I, if there's one thing I can pat myself on the back on, it's that when I've left those programs, I kind of have an idea of which direction they're going in and been pretty good about what's going to happen that season with them and then the seasons beyond that. I've been good at that. Um, one team mm-hmm. I was wrong with was Florida State. I said to myself, this is probably a four-loss program you know, each year. You know, a good year, they're going to win 10 games and go 10-2, and two, but this is an 8-4 and four program. Now, I didn't know about some dude named Jameis Winston. Didn't really pay that much attention to it. And nevertheless, when I walked away, that's who showed up. And for two seasons, they made the biggest liar out of me. And he had a lot to do with that. There's no doubt, Amo, what kind of a leader he is and how he inspires those around him. And he was a big part of what they did. So much so that I posted something on Twitter about you know, Jimbo Fisher's record at Florida State before Jameis and his record while Jameis was there and then his record after. I want to say it was 31-10 and 10 pre-Jameis, 27-1 and 1 with Jameis, and then, you know, I don't even remember what it is uh, after. It's not that great. It's around 72% wins after Jameis has been gone. So that's the situation that you got. This is what this program is, by and large, you know, not losing 63-20 to 20 to Louisville. I mean, Louisville's got a magic man there themselves. But around this, you know, I, you can lose to North Carolina if you're Florida State. That's what I observed about this program. That's not a shock to me that this could happen. And here you got Miami. Like you said, brand new program. What I've seen out of Miami, I love. They're playing defense. They're running the football. And then when you've got to pass it, you've got a guy that's a potential NFL first-round pick back there to, to handle that. And you've got good athletes on the outside. Now, Amos, it's funny. It looks like Al Golden did some pretty good recruiting. Now, isn't that funny? How that how that works? Looks like well, he did some good recruiting, some good but again, I go back to every year we talk about that. I think the recruiting to some extent, not to some extent, to a large extent is overrated. I think these great programs the players are develop there. Players. Alabama does that. You develop players. You have to develop players. It's like it's like Colin Cowherd said the one day you played it for me a couple of weeks ago and asked me a comment. He was talking to Matt Leinert about the talent at USC. And Colin Collard, you know, in his sarcastic voice said, it's not about talent. He goes, everybody said Michigan didn't have the same kind of talent. Jim Harbaugh got there, and ten minutes later they were blowing people out. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't about exactly. talent. I took your guys, and uh, something magical happened. So, yeah, I mean, there's talent. you got it. They're 18 years old. If you can't turn an 18-year-old into a 20, 21-year-old football player, it doesn't matter what the hell they did in high school. It's going to be irrelevant. They're still 18. Three years later in your program, they're still 18. So they're not good. They're a bust. Um, and that's right. not the kid. He was talented when he showed up. You just didn't, you know, train him up in the way he should go. So uh, that's what you got. Having said all that, I really like Miami's defense. I like the way they're running the ball. I like what they can do when you crowd the line of scrimmage if you want to stop their running game. There's just so many ways that Miami can beat you right now that I just think uh, this is probably it for Florida State in terms of their streak against Miami. We'll see. 8 o'clock Saturday night at Hard Rock Stadium. So there you go. And that's that's it for us here on the college football segment. Before we go, I'm going to bring Les on, and then we're going to jump into our NFL segment Les, you're on with us here on the Gridiron Stud Show, man. What say you? What's cracking? What's cracking? Hey, Les. What's going on, Amos? No, nothing much. We're just we 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 just broke down every conference. Uh, who's your big picks <laughs> this week in college football? 
Um, you know, y'all made some key points. Um, I like both of you guys' ideology about sports. Uh, we all on the same page as far as how we look at football and its programs. Um, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and take Washington this week to go ahead and, uh, you know, go into Oregon, take the Nike sign, and, you know, paint it, <laughs> paint it purple and gold. Uh, okay. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a back, y'all. I like the Miami. I think Miami, is, it's time for them to beat Florida State. Um, it's been going on too long that they've been beating up on uh, the Hurricanes. I think the Hurricanes back. So I'm going I'm to go strongly with the Hurricanes playing this week. And uh, I'm going to take uh, Arizona State to hold up against Eucla. Uh, Eucla, <laughs> say it right, Eucla. Well, whatever the hell you want to call them. They're Eucla. The yeah, there you go. So yeah, yeah, the giant that's, teddy that's bear. What you got, that's what you got rolling this weekend? Yeah, I like it. You know, I like it. I'm I'm going to come in with my chin a little. You know, last week I went 6-1. and one. I didn't get a chance to talk to you guys. But, uh, you know, my only loss last week was Louisville. Um, it was a good week. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm back. I'm back. What's that? All right, so you're, you're back. So you're ready. Huh? I know. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, so I, Washington. I was yeah, Washington, Arizona State, and Miami. We got it, man. I, we got to hurry up and run, try and uh, wrap things up here. But appreciate you calling in. Yes, sir. All right, my man. That's, Take care, that's Les. Call, that's Les calling into the Gridiron Stud Show. Let's hop into this break. When we get back, it's NFL time. We're going to talk fantasy football focus, make some picks, talk about the marquee matchups in the NFL. We'll do that when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Wicked, wicked, wicked. Wicked tones, you know. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs. Do it now! You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? 
The Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit gridironstuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. Gridironstuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. We're back for the final segment of this Friday, Football Friday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. And uh, we've done our college football. We, we, I mean, we went, we hit all, we hit the big five in college football. Did we or did we not? We talked about all we did that it, good We stuff. hit it hard. Really yes, hard. Yes, we did. We did indeed do that. So uh, we're trying to move into the NFL part of the segment. You know, not a bunch of marquee matchups. Let's talk about one of local interest down here. Um, it's the Titans and the Dolphins. A big time battle between one and three football teams, Amol. I mean, this is a complete and total snoozer. The uh, odds makers have the Dolphins as three and a half. I can't envision the Dolphins being graded in a field goal favorite uh, and me being comfortable about it um, against anyone right now in this league. For God's sakes, they got in a dog fight with the Cleveland Browns at home off of a loss. So, I mean, I'm not going to make it a pick. I'm not going to make it a pick, but I have a gut feeling. They're going to take the Titans behind the woodshed. They've had 10 days. They're sitting there at 1-3. and three. It's kind of one of those forks in the road. You know, are we going to have a season? Are we going to be competitive? Or are we going to be looking to see if we can get a top-five draft pick? Uh, you know, they're home. I, I don't know. I just have a feeling that they're going to they're going to put a boot to Tennessee this week. Hey, I am from Missouri as it comes to this. They're just going to have to show me. I'm just not trusting a whole bunch there. But, look, God in heaven knows, I'd like to see them, you know, get their act together. But, oh, nevertheless, uh, we'll see where that goes. You know what, let's talk a little bit about last night. And the only reason I want to talk about that is I saw a lot of chatter about Blaine Gabbard, who was 18 of 31, 162 yards, two interceptions. Uh, When you're the San Francisco 49ers and you're just not doing, you know, a ton of winning, um, you know, obviously that's going to bring the boo birds out. And people want Colin Kaepernick. Emil, you and I have talked quite a bit about Colin Kaepernick. This is pre, you know, protest Colin Kaepernick. Um, we just didn't think much of him as an NFL quarterback. And have San Francisco 49er fans forgotten about that? Or is it just, look, the guy that's in there now sucks. Let's get someone else in. You know, we'll even bring Joe Namath back 
uh, and put him in a game. We just don't Let want me, to Maybe because Gavin. you haven't been a fan, you haven't been a fan, per se, in the NFL long enough. Let me explain how a, a fan works. Let me take off analyst cap here. When the guy you have playing quarterback sucks, you you will make U-turns like that hurricane, okay? You'll go back to guys that previously sucked, hoping that somehow they got better. Trust me, I was there they, last that, year, okay? Hopefully that they unsuck. <laughs> I mean, yes, when Brandon yeah, Whedon played quarterback, I so wanted that guy not playing quarterback, right? Then mm-hmm. I got what I, w- what I wished for. We had Matt Castle, and I realized that I might have a better arm <laughs> at this point than Matt Castle. So I'm sitting there oh, on Sunday man. going, put Whedon in the damn game. Come on. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, but you had that going on, and I don't know. Do do you think that they're going to make such a move? Is Chip Kelly going to put Colin Kaepernick in? Or is, he, or is Chip Kelly like, whatever, I'm just biding time here before I head back to one of these great college jobs that are going to open up? Don't you get that sense that he is? Don't I mean? Don't you get the sense that once the well, Eagles fired Kelly? Well, I get the sense that Kelly, he shouldn't have been hired as uh, the coach of the 49ers. So don't ask me. He shouldn't be there in the first place. Uh, I understand, but I also let's look at it from Chip's seat. He gets the offer, right? He just gets fired from Philly, so he figures, okay, I got to bide some yeah, time. San Francisco's a beautiful city. The weather's mm-hmm. kind of nice. It's sunny. Mm-hmm. I'll go there for a year. Yeah, why not? What the heck? Why you know, not? And he. Listen, granted, the team's losing a little bit, all right? Stuff's going on, and I'm hearing him in some of these press conferences. He's not even getting pissed off. Like, uh, he was challenged by a local writer there uh, a couple weeks ago about, you know, Colin Kaepernick and, you know, his answers to some questions. And in which most cases, Bill Belichick would have went crazy, and you could think of any number of guys that would have lost their mind. I mean, Chip held it together, so it's almost like I don't care what any of you say right now. I am just trying to learn the fight song for one of these schools I'm going to take the job for next year. I just get that sense, and I guess. And I got a little conspiracy the theory in me. I think if Kaepernick had gone, if the whole situation had gone a different direction, and he was he'd causing already. the NFL to to lose money, he'd be gone. But when they realized his jerseys are selling like hotcakes. I just think he's there for one reason. Why not? We're making money. We're going to suck either way. I mean, I don't think you know, he's on the team. If <laughs> yeah, I didn't have you. I didn't have you with me on Monday. But this, this, there was a very, um, there's something going on in the league that I wanted to run by you because we've talked about this a bit on the show, and and I think it's something worth us talking about. NFL ratings are down. Um, and if you listen to Colin Cowherd, he makes the point that it's it has a lot to do with Donald Trump, that he's stealing eyeballs because, let's, you know, I've talked about it. Everyone watching football right now is not your hardcore fans. It's your Bravo channel, folks, that, you know, the NFL's managed to steal away from other stations and bring them on here. So if you've got something like an election going on, then it's easy for them to flow back over to that and put NFL on the back burner. Do you do you think the NFL losing eyeballs right now is about Trump, or is it more about hey we've got some problems going on in the game? Um, one of those being some of the rules, uh, taking some of the fun out of it, and then maybe this whole Kaepernick thing. Maybe some people are protesting. Where do you? Stand I think there's on? three main. I think there's three. It's a good question. I think there's three main uh, reasons that or, or core reasons, and you touched on one. There is something to the, these debates going on. They're having one during a game on Sunday night. I don't get that. Packers-Giants, uh, they had one during a Monday night game. There's certainly some people that are, as you call them, the Bravo fan, uh, fo- uh, channel folks, 
that, you know, they don't, they're not hardcore NFL. And even someone like me, I mean, Sunday night, I'm going to go back and forth. Those debates, I have to admit this year, they're kind of entertaining with those two because it's more of a, you know, a 15-year-old uh, lunch where, the, where they're slinging insults at each other. So, yeah. you know, it's like a car accident that I want to see. Um, so right. that's part of it. The, number two, I, I think there's, and I don't mean this in a, in a, a racist sense of the word, I think there's a mm-hmm. core of white Americans who are not hardcore football people like us that mm-hmm. like football, but they also like college and high school football, that say, screw this, I'm not watching the NFL. If these guys get paid $10 million a year and they can't stand during this national anthem that means something to me, screw it, I'm not watching it. I think there's a group of people, I don't know if it's huge, but enough that it's going to impact your rating. Sure, I think there's some of that. And then the third thing is don't forget people are unplugging their cable. That's a big mm-hmm. phenomenon right now. ESPN's been getting hammered. I just read an article in Bloomberg about how many millions and millions of people are, are going away from cable to, you know, Roku and Sling and everything else, and they're just getting an HD receiver they, where they get 13 or 14 channels in HD, and they're, they're, they're making their own little package. It's costing them 30 or 40 bucks a month versus 140 mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. ESPN has been the most impacted by this, and games are on ESPN. Not all of them, but some of them. So I think it's a a combination. That's happening. Yeah, it's a combination, I think, of, you know, of everything. And, again, that's why I always say to you, and well, not to you, I say with you, you've got to protect your base in anything in life. I don't care what business you're in or if you're in politics. Your base is what's always going to keep you solid. When you start losing that base – then you have a problem, and that's why if I was the NFL, I'd be worried about making sure guys like us continue to follow the league because we're always going to be there. There's other yeah, stuff changes like from decade thumbed, to decade. They've thumbed their noses at us, at their core fans. Um, even in, when they've gone so far as to make rule changes to really, um, you know, go against what we want and 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 you know bring in more of the short attention span folks that want to watch reality shows all day and when you say reality shows they got to have a fight on the reality show or people are going to leave they just want that constant um in your face entertainment and you've started crafting the actual core of your game to that to where you know listen there's a reason why uh you know people like there's a physical part to it that we that as fans you like and they're legislating that out of it. Now you're taking the fun out of it. A guy got a 15-yard penalty for shooting a bow and arrow. I really wish I had the audio on uh, on Triplet oh. explaining why that was. That's some of the best audio you'll ever hear. If you have a chance, you know, head over to YouTube and and listen to Triplet, the referee, explain why that was a penalty and what that you know, the consequences and what's going to happen. Why do you think? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. And this is more. It really appeals to people who are younger than us now. You're, we're both over 40. We're men now. People under the age of 40 mm-hmm. like this UFC. Now, I'm not saying nobody over the age of 40. I'm saying, generally speaking, it has a great appeal to that demographic of 20 to 40, okay? Um, like, I like boxing still more than that. I don't get UFC. It's okay. I'll watch it. But they like it because there is something visceral about it. They, it's, it's what people want to see. You know, it sounds terrible, but it's, it's a release for people. And mm-hmm. football's taken it the other direction. They want to be politically correct. You hit somebody too hard. If it looks bad, even if it's a legal hit, they're going to throw a flag on you. And I'm telling you, there's the dangers of bringing in that viewing audience because now they're into everything. What's going on with the domestic violence? What's going on with the concussions? What's going on with this, that? And they're into every damn thing, and they're very critical 
this group that they've stolen from some of these other channels. They're critical of everything. Why is he wears hair like that? Why is he not doing this, that, and a third? What's wrong with him? Look at how he's acting on the sideline. Look at these two. Everything becomes a problem. Whereas you and I will say, Why am I a Neanderthal if I say what I'm going to say? If I, if I went to that group of people and I read an article a couple of weeks ago where Roger Goodell or one of them said that they want more opportunities for women in the NFL. Now, if you mean in the offices like the CFOs and human resources and, and all marketing, I'm cool with that. There's no reason there shouldn't be. No, he mm. meant coaches. Coaches. Come I'm on, sorry. stop. You know, stop. Maybe I'm a Neanderthal, but would you want me as your fashion designer? You know me. Would you say, hey, well, boy, I really would love for you to design uh, women's wedding gowns? Probably not. Why? Because I'm going to talk man. I don't know uh, what I'm Amel, doing. The Rock says, know your role. For God's sakes, you're not supposed to be doing certain things. And that's for male, that's for female. For crying out loud, know your lane. Stay in your lane for crying out loud. But, how, how are you going to have women coaching in the NFL when, when they obviously couldn't have played at any high level, generally speaking? No. And, you know, they'll throw out the couple of coaches, Charlie Weiss, uh, Brian Billick, um, those types who've never played, you know, quote unquote, uh, high level football. Okay, you're grabbing the outliers, but no, man, I'm just not interested in seeing that. So that's where we're going uh, with this whole thing. And, you know, hopefully the NFL knows what the heck they're doing, but you and I tend to uh, say otherwise. All right. Uh, we don't go into previewing um, all of the NFL games like we do with college football. We you know, don't see the need in doing that. We do want to do our fantasy football focus here. Uh, we think that we've got a good thing going with that. I did recap on Monday's show how we did, but just to bring it back up again, uh, Amal had a good week last week, or at least a better week than I did. Took DeMarco Murray, cost you about 7100 bucks on FanDuel, um, and picked up 24.9. How about DeMarco turning in a pretty good performance? Uh, for Tennessee. Yeah, he seems rejuvenated, doesn't he? Yeah, well, good for him. Um, you know, yeah. just I'm glad he's out of Philly. I'm sure he's running wild because of that. You took Kirk Cousins. Uh, he turned in an 18.3 um, in terms of FanDuel points last week. And then Trevor Simeon, who, you know, ended up getting hurt in the game. So, uh, kind of an incomplete on that. He ends up with 6.7 points before he was carted off. Me, I took Lamar Miller. Had a good day, decent day rushing the ball. Didn't find the end zone like he needed to. Only 12.3 points there. And then that took Jones from uh, from Detroit. Thought he'd have a big day. Did not. Ended up with only 9.9 points. And I took Houston's defense, which picked up 10 points. That's a decent day for a defense. Certainly not what I, I had last week with Kansas City. So, Amel, we're going to keep moving forward with our fantasy football focus uh, sponsored by FanDuel, and again, if you're uh, if you want to get involved in the daily fantasy, which is really uh, another thing, sweeping through the league and grabbing new eyeballs for the NFL, um, head over to FanDuel.com right now. Use the promo code Gridiron Studs, and you can get yourself set up with a nice bonus there. Whether you're new, you're old at this, it's uh, all good for you. But why don't you lay out uh, the little? We decided we're going to have a little bit of a contest each week with this, so. Uh, why don't you lay out the parameters for our listeners here? So Chad, know what, Chad's going, going to be our scorekeeper. He's going to take over for this. So what we're going to do is $21,000 on FanDuel sal- FanDuel sal- FanDuel's salaries we can spend, 7000 per player on average. Uh, and we're each going to take a quarterback, a running back, and a wide receiver every week within that parameter for you. We're going to see who scores more points. Uh, each week, and uh, we'll keep the record for the week. So if I have 50 points and you have 
53, you're going to be 1-0, and and I'm going to be 0-1. We'll see who wins at the end of the year. How's that? Yeah, we're starting in week five. Or, or do you, you know, maybe we'll even keep a you know a running total of the points each week. We'll do something like that. Sure. You know, so we'll go. So, all right, here we go. This is a week five. We'll do it like this. You 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 know talk about your quarterback, then I'll talk about mine, and then you talk about your running back. I'll talk about mine. And no, we'll I understand you people. We've got to stay in the salary cap just like you do. So we're gonna. I'm gonna start yeah. off with a, a sleeper here for me, and he's a guy I usually don't like. But I'm going to go with Ryan Tannehill. He's just due to have one of those games where he gives Dolphin fans some hope that he can actually be a quarterback. And he, he's got a perfect team coming in there. The Titans aren't very good in pass defense. And the Dolphins have had 10 days to clean up their act uh, from the, that debacle in Cincinnati. I just have a feeling that you know he's got to have a game one of these days where he goes for 300 yards, two or three TDs, and Dolphin fans one have of a week days. to be excited. One yeah. of these days. So it's going to be this day. Take Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback. All right. It's funny. Uh, Listen, people know that I've been a a Case Keenum supporter even from the time he came out of Houston. Not saying he should have been a first-round pick. No, certainly take him around where he should, you know, fourth, fifth-round pick. I thought the Dolphins should have done it and used their high draft picks that year to, you know, pick up a running back, pick up a a wide receiver or something like that. Nevertheless, they didn't do that. And uh, Keenum bounced around a couple of places. You know what? Case Keenum's been pretty decent over the last few weeks, and his points have risen just about every week. He uh, picked up 4.2 points in the opener, then 10.1, then 14.7. And then last week, turned in a great performance against a great team, picked up 18 FanDuel points. I think it continues this week as the Bills come to town. Bills pitched a shutout last week uh, against the – uh, New England Patriots, they may be a little high on themselves, and I think Case Keenum and the boys back home in Los Angeles, I think he can put up a pretty good performance against this team. Uh, they watched that uh, They watched that Jets film. They can find everything they need in the passing game, so I'm going to back yes. Case Keenum this week. Only going to cost you 6600 bucks over there at FanDuel. Uh, by the way, Ryan Tannehill, $7,100 this week uh, is his price tag at FanDuel. So, uh, where do you stand with running back? Okay, you're in the right game, but you got the wrong guy. I think the guy who goes off in that game is Todd Gurley. Uh, he's he's been off to a slow start, and he's just too good of a player to not to not just break out one of these weeks. And I have a feeling this is the week uh, the Bills roll in, as you said, fresh off a shutout, maybe a little too giddy. I think Gurley's going to go off in this game and have a big game for for the Rams. I'm I'm using Todd Gurley as my running back. There you go. Uh, jumping on that Ram bandwagon. Go Rams. Uh, yes. For for my running back, I'm going to go with Jeremy Hill uh, out, out of Cincinnati. They're coming to play your Dallas Cowboys. I think if Cincinnati's going to get it done against the Dallas Cowboys, it's got to start with them on the ground. They can't go back there with Andy Dalton and just pitch it around. So I think the game plan's got to be go to Jeremy Hill. Um, and Cincinnati's been good in feeding him. You know, in years past, you had to kind of think twice about taking Jeremy Hill on your fantasy football team. Is it going to be more Gio Bernard or is it going to be Jeremy Hill? Well, they've gotten more into the mode of kind of making Jeremy Hill the uh, the workhorse here, and I like his ability to bust out. A couple weeks ago, 21.7 points against Denver. Um, not as much last week against Miami. I think he bounced back here, and, and Cincinnati realizes – um, this is the this is the way you got to go. This will set up everything else for. Us. So I like his uh, I like his opportunity to get the ball a lot in this game against Dallas. So I'm going to back Jeremy Hill as my running back. Okay, and then finally uh, for wide receiver, I want you to grab the nachos because we're going to salsa. I'm going with Victor Cruz. Okay, because here's what here's what I think. The Giants have to throw the ball to somebody, and right now Beckham seems like he might want to go to a you know. A psych ward 
Okay. <laughs> so at this yeah. point, I have not a feeling having they fun, spent more. By the way. No, he's not having fun. I have a feeling the coaches aren't having fun talking about him not having fun. So he may, even if it's not intentionally, find himself kind of just pushed aside in the game plan a little bit. And that means they have to throw the ball to somebody. I have a feeling that Victor, Victor Cruz has a decent week this week. And, again, I have to fit this within the salary cap. So I'm going to use Victor Cruz on Sunday night football with the New York Giants. And, uh, yes, get yourself your shoes on. Um, it's probably high time they start going to Victor Cruz anyway. I am going to go with one a little bit off the charts. You know, the New York Jets are traveling to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, obviously, Brandon Marshall is going to draw quite a bit of attention from the Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe even Eric Decker. But quietly, Quincy Anunwa has been someone that Ryan Fitzpatrick has been going to with, you know, a little bit uh, increasingly each and every week. And, um, you know, Fitzpatrick needs to find someone solid. Uh, for his team to throw, for him to throw the ball to, because he's had all types of fun throwing the ball to the opponent over the last few weeks. So I think yes, Anumwa's a guy. He can. He's been. He's been a, a quarterback's dream. A cornerback's dream the last few weeks. Um, and then what has been catching the attention? Listen, 32 targets so far. That means about eight times a game you're looking at Anumwa. And so at this price, 6,200. I think you're getting a little bit of value here. This guy could possibly be the guy that gets the work against Pittsburgh and goes off a little bit. So. I like uh, Quincy Anumwa. I, I like the name Quincy, by the way. I don't know if you've noticed that. but uh, I um, noticed that. Quincy yeah, Jones, not just... Quincy Anumwa. <laughs> there you go. So I'm going to go with uh, Anumwa in this one, 6,200. Uh, both of us fall under, obviously, our salary cap. So I'm going to go with uh, Quincy Anumwa on this one. So that's it. That's our fantasy football. What's focus. next on the dock? Are we going to roll out our Front college of pro picks here? We are. We are. This is this is the end here, and this is how we're going to do it. We're going to shotgun this damn thing. Both our college and pro picks. We're going to quickly give you the reasons why we like both of them. How about a little background music, Emil? How about that? We'll hit a little background music for us on this one. All right. Here's what I like. We're going both college and pro. So here's my segment. I'm going to hop out here for us for you. In college football, we talked about it. Maryland taking on Penn State. Penn State not where they need to be. Maryland has been. Very much that team, granted, has not been against the top opponents uh, that you can find, but I like the way that they go out and handle their business. I told you early on, I like Dirk Durkin, uh, uh, and, you know, I like Dirk, and I think he's going to continue this thing going. And right now, Penn State's not where they need to be. I like Maryland as a small favorite in this one. Hopping over, staying in the Big Ten, though, I like Iowa also as a minus two. I gave them a chance earlier this year. They burned me. I'm going to come back again and give them one more chance. I like Iowa in this game against Minnesota. Iowa not as bad as they've looked the last few weeks, and I think if they're going to get their act together, it's going to be in this game against Minnesota. The number's low because of the slip-ups that they had, so I'm going to go with Iowa as a minus two-point favorite. Auburn on the road against Mississippi State. Who would think Auburn would be a road favorite? But Auburn's been playing some pretty solid ball. I still don't like their long-term prospects for the season, but as a small two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, I like them in this game against Mississippi State. So that completes my trifecta for college football. Maryland minus two, Iowa minus two, Auburn minus two-and-a-half. Sliding over to the NFL. Indianapolis Colts, they're five-point favorites over somebody. Odds maker must be drunk, but they never drink. And so I'm going to go with the odds makers on this one. I like Indianapolis as a five-point favorite in this contest. I think they need to snap back. I think they get it done at home against the Bears, who got themselves a, a win in their division. That's good for them for a week. They're, they're not going to be doing anything much after that. I'm going to come back to Los Angeles. Man, maybe I'm a Ram homer. I gave up my fandom years ago, but I'm feeling the Rams right now and what they're doing. I don't like the Bills off of the shutout loss against the division nemesis. 
um, the New England Patriots. I think the Bills, as a team who can easily get off uh, their get off the right mind frame, and this would be the chance for them to do it. Uh, division win last week. Now you're going all the way out west. I think the Rams handle their business. And then finally, the New York Giants. I'm going to give them another chance. They're on prime time again after losing on prime time, and all this talk has been about Odell Beckham. I just can't see the Giants as a seven-point underdog. I still think they're a solid football team, and I think they continue to get. Uh, I think they're going to get right in this game against the Packers. Packers coming off of a division win and then a bye. I think they come into this one a little sloppy, so I'm going to take the Giants. So that's what I have in the NFL, Indianapolis minus five, L.A. minus two, Giants plus seven. Where do you stand, my friend? College football. Let's start off in the big game in the SEC. we got Texas A&M giving seven to Tennessee. Eyebrows go up. It says, wait a second, two undefeated teams, number eight playing number nine, and one of them's getting a full touchdown. Hmm. I'm going to take Texas A&M. I really don't see how Tennessee has anything left in the tank after these last two weeks. The line reflects that. Vegas wants you off off A&M, I I sense, and I'm not getting off A&M. I'm taking Texas A&M minus seven. Then we slide over to the Pac-12, and you hit the nail on the head. Arizona State just for some reason doesn't match up well with USC. But I don't care who plays quarterback for them. There's no way I see UCLA warranting being a 10-point road favorite against a 4-1 Arizona State team. I'm going to grab all 10 of those points with the Sun Devils, who may get the out right here. And then finally, another Pac-12 contest. I look at my Trojans and I say to myself, I think they found a quarterback. And again, the eyebrow goes up. Team rolls in 4-1, only lost to Michigan, who's in the top five. And they're getting 5.5 Colorado. I think USC is going to go out and really put the wood to Colorado and a few other teams in the coming weeks as they try to get the stink off the beginning of their season. So I'll take the USC Trojans minus 5.5 against Colorado. Let's slide over to the NFL. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, everyone's little darling, but quietly the Houston Texans, despite that Thursday night debacle against the Patriots, are sitting at 3-1 and one with a pretty good defense themselves. This has the feeling of a defensive struggle to me. And maybe the Vikings win in the end, but seven points, I think too many for a good defensive club like the Texans to catch. I'll grab all seven there. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers, boy, did they they beat the hell out of Kansas City on Sunday night, and now they're laying seven to a Jets team that really might be playing for their season this week. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he might be colorblind, but maybe he straightens it out for a week. Seven points seems like way too many to give a desperate Jets team. I think they hang here. I'll take the Jets plus seven. And then finally, wow, the Philadelphia Eagles, two weeks off, and they're going to play a Detroit team that's lost three straight heartbreakers. And now the Eagles are in a role they're not accustomed to for quite a while. They're a road favorite in the NFL. That's usually limited to teams that are very, very, very good. And I don't know if the Eagles are quite that good yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swallow hard and hold on tight. I'm going to take the Lions plus three at home against the Eagles. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, just recapping that for you in the NFL. It's Detroit plus three. It's the New York Giants plus seven. It's Houston plus seven. Hey, man, you are taking the points this weekend. How about that for you? In terms I'm all of the over NFL. the points. Grabbing all the dogs. Yes. The puppies have gone wild there for uh, Amol. Well, listen, speaking of gone, that's our time. We're out of here on a uh, football Friday. For you folks down here in South Florida, count your blessings. Please take your shutters off your windows. Don't have them there uh, around Christmas time. Don't be that guy. Uh, for the rest of you in the state that uh, have the storm heading your way, please be safe. 
Take it seriously. Take it seriously. And for the rest of you around the country, enjoy your weekend of college football and NFL football. We just laid it all out here for you. Fantasy, NFL, college football. We did it all. We're your full-stop shop. And that's what Football Friday is all about here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Our time's up. For Emil Calamina, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Enjoy your weekend. high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.